passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site AEW, lighting up the fuse Sit back and enjoy the bubbly Cause we hear from John and Waiting Where we're going, we don't need roads And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow Everything you hear, opinions of the show And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know Welcome to Rewind Dynamite. Another Wednesday, another week, plenty of news to get to. I'm John Pollock, and you know who he is. Known worldwide, the famous Waiting. Worldwide, okay. Well, um, thank you, John, for that great intro. It's always a pleasure to be here. It's wonderful to have you. Thanks. Do you, uh, are you a decaf coffee drinker ever? No, never. You're not. See, I am. I like to have it in the in the evening. Very nice. My mistake is that I put my coffee beans in these identical containers. One is the normal coffee and one is the decaf coffee. And I opened them tonight and then realized I, I took off the, the caps and didn't realize which one was which. So I had to make a just flip a coin. I Uh-oh. lost. Yeah. So oh. yeah. I just had like two normal coffees during dynamite and I'm so I haven't had normal coffee at this hour in maybe two years. Mm. It is uh it has done wonders to my system. I'm just I think I might re-wallpaper my house once I'm done the show. Well, I think we'd, we're going to be in for a great show. It sounds like. Oh, we we might be indeed. Well, we have a lot to discuss. So are you going to change the labeling system of these canisters? <laughs> I think I might. Um it was definitely my error. I had my system. Like we we keep like a little uh, scoop thing for the beans in the normal one. But I took this scooper out and then got distracted by something and then came back and forgot. Like I had taken the spoon out. So I didn't right. have my usual marker to uh, no, well, tell maybe which one is which. Now you can invest in a new spoon. Well, yeah. Anyway, so anyway, those, those are my problems that I'm dealing with. So that's what everyone gets to uh, deal with today. But... Uh, I also had plenty of energy earlier today because I was on with Brandon Thurston and Josh Nason joining us from the Wrestling Observer site to go over Tony Khan's media call from Tuesday. We also chatted about uh, further uh, issues stemming from SmackDown moving to the USA Network, the new era 
of AEW that is starting on Sunday. All the differences there. And what is uh, low-key my favorite story going on in wrestling right now? WWE versus Panini. So all of that and more covered on uh, Pollock and Thurston from today. And an interesting note this week is that Raw had its largest median viewer age since February. And that made me think of the wellness policy this week. <laughs> Very nice. Yes. Uh, the topic of age demographics, what, you know, what, what have you, uh, was a big topic of discussion this week on the wellness policy. What's my age again is what we decided to name this episode as Jordan, Neil, and I talk about the sometimes very sensitive topic of aging. Did you get a chance to listen, John? I've started it. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but I, I did enjoy kind of the drama about Neil's age at, at the beginning. Uh, who who comes up with the graphic? Is this a, is this a waiting? It, it's uh, a collaborative effort, but this one I, I did come up with. Yes. But Jordan came up with the title. Very good, right? Very good. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, uh, they're very nice there as well. So I, I like it. You guys, you, you tie in multiple things all together. We try our best, yeah. Available what? in the Post Wrestling Cafe feed. Uh, you can also actually search for it in Spotify, actually, if you simply type Post Wrestling Cafe. Whether or not you are a patron, you can uh, find all of our freebies by simply looking up Post Wrestling Cafe within Spotify. Yes. You can also be so kind as to leave us a, a wonderful five-star review on uh, your podcast app of choice. Uh, it helps It helps balance things out when someone uh, gives us a one-star review for missing Adam Cole's injury at the end of Dynamite last week. Right, yes. Really kind of people. It's, it's very nice. Yeah, it's whatever. It's fine. No, it's not. I, <laughs> uh, I put a curse on this person, so that's how I deal with it uh, internally in my head, and I just build up this resentment in, inside of me until it explodes. Uh, but there you go. You can check out uh, some of those shows, and we have uh, lots coming up uh, this week on Thursday. It is going to be this month's edition of the Ask Away Mailbag Show where you can ask whatever questions you would like, and you have multiple ways to submit those questions, which you can still do until uh, Thursday afternoon. Uh, You can either go to forum.postwrestling.com and post them the usual way in the Ask Away thread, or you can get your voice heard on the show by submitting an audio question to memo.fm slash postwrestling. It's free to submit. You can go there, send us a quick question. doesn't have to be related to wrestling, but whatever you would like answered within reason, we will tackle on Thursday show that is for postwrestlingcafe.com members and then we will be going into the weekend with rewind to smackdown collision course we've got an nxt review with brayden and john Cena. bit of musical chairs this weekend uh, way will be uh co-hosting with kate from montreal on collision course and then saturday night it's myself and john Cena covering wrestle dream that will be happening from seattle yeah yeah Cena is going to be busy this weekend so he's got the night off. He's uh, watching Wu-Tang and Nas at the moment. And then uh, uh, we're going to work him, you know, throughout these weeks. So he'll be doing No Mercy and then Wrestle Dream this weekend. Is this the same show you're going to see on Sunday? It's the same tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Well, uh, Way is going to have a great time. You're yes. not required to call in from uh, from the Wu-Tang show. Uh, okay. I was going to uh, give you my full report, but all right. Maybe I'll save that for Monday. So check out all of the shows, postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com. Going to dive into several news items, and one that we have not had a chance to discuss yet since Monday is, well, let's, uh, first of all, the the big news coming out of Dynamite tonight was the injury to Adam Cole. Uh, he has sustained a broken ankle, which he described as his ankle exploding last Wednesday and breaking his ankle in three separate places that will require surgery. 
that sounds uh, like a terrible injury. I mean, a broken ankle, not not the greatest, but uh, this seems like a pretty severe one. And yes, will require surgery. We don't know a timetable yet, but obviously this is not going to be a uh, a four to six week uh, deal. And obviously off the pay-per-view and it will remain to be seen how much of a presence he's going to have during this uh, rehabilitation period if they remove him from television or he's going to do the, uh, you know, making all the towns every week, as uh, many wrestlers do with their injuries. Uh, oh, man. I mean, he's yeah. in the top story in the company. You could argue this is the most over he has been maybe ever. ever. Like as mm-hmm. big as his runs have been in NXT and Ring of Honor. He's at a level at the moment that has been, you know, a huge, huge uh, plus for, you know, this company at this point in time. So terrible, terrible timing for a guy that already missed, uh, you know, months and months with that concussion issue. But yeah, it was and just a freak thing. Like, it's it's an amazing way how kind of similar it is to that CM Punk it, uh, broken ankle where he was just coming down. And I mean, granted, he did a stage dive. So, I mean, he kind of did welcome some risk. Uh, whereas Adam Cole was just doing a, a run in, but here you have two top guys and just freak things on the way to the ring. It's almost like when you're, you know, executing something that's very high risk, you're a lot more careful about everything that's around you. Whereas when you're doing something completely routine, like, you know, running down the ramp and getting to a ringside area, um, stuff like this happens really, really unfortunate. I mean, you know, do you think that this was the exact truth of the injury? Because I'm just I, the fan in me is just hoping that there's some embellishment here that that's to excuse him from, you know, not being able to participate in the match and that hopefully the actual injury isn't as bad. But if it was the reality of the situation, no matter what, it, taking him out for any sort of sort of time is, is a very, very um, unfortunate thing for a guy like this. Again, if you choose to look at the bright side, you could say that in the time that he's been back, Boyd, like, did he manage to, you know, live up to expectations of what 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 we all wanted from him in AEW? And I would say, you know, really made the most of the time that he was here. And in that amount of time, managed to find a storyline and a character that I think, thankfully, is able to do a whole lot, even without participating in in-ring, you know, um, action. So whether it be a lot more skits with mjf um on the road um to kowloon's or whatever there's still where on boats uh, sure and trains whatever you want um there's still a way to keep the story alive but man if it's a several month long hiatus then it's going to be that much more challenging i mean it's surgery so i mean you're you're looking at some some time at, at that point i guess it's it's sort of you just you try to make the best of this curveball that has been thrown your way. And there's certainly some interesting things you can do between what you've introduced with Roderick Strong and the kingdom. There's also like MJF without his best friend, um, like his moral compass is gone and interesting stuff you can do with MJF. And I guess they're going to continue with this ROH tag title run, which I guess you, you might as well. But I mean, of all the matches um, this year that you would have predicted being a pay-per-view, MJF versus The Righteous in a two-on-one handicap match for the ROH tag titles would have been pretty hard to um, have uh, gone likely on at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Uh, who knows? You know, yes, he's defending the titles in a handicap situation. He could very well lose the championship as well. And then he sets up him in Dutch. Huge, huge showdown. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Dutch will be the first to pin MJF in several uh, months. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it's happening. Maybe it's not at the same time. Again, even if Adam Cole's out of action, well, okay. It just gives us a bit more of an excuse to have NJF singles 
just total defenses, doesn't it? Right. So um, again, I'm I'm choosing to look at the positive here. You know, perhaps this is able to extend this feud that much longer, so that maybe we can peak it again at all in next year, uh, perhaps. So, mm, you know, hopefully he's not out for so long that the audience loses interest because I don't think that's really possible at this point. Jade Cargill to WWE. It was made official earlier this week uh, with with ESPN uh, speaking with Jade Cargill and. I mean, she got the superstar treatment from the company. This was not someone just uh, quietly reporting to the Performance Center. I mean, they they put this, they blasted this out on ESPN, video crews following her to the Performance Center. Um, she was on the Ringer podcast. It like she is coming in as a superstar, and it's going to like she is going to have every um, every benefit out of the gate in terms of presenting her as a big deal. And I mean, she has alluded to the fact that she knows where she is going to be ending up show-wise in the company. Just watching this treatment, and granted it's been 48 hours, this certainly does feel as though she is bypassing NXT, but that's that's a pure guess. I would certainly say so. I mean, I wouldn't completely discount maybe, you know, her making appearances as a way to continue to bolster NXT at this point with what, you know, main roster relevancy. But yeah, I don't think she'll, if she is in NXT, I don't think it'd be there for long. I think that first appearance, I think you want that in front of like a big audience and not the PC. And just the fact that like even pushing the fact like this is the first big TKO hire and everything. It's like they are. They are strapping the rocket to Jade Cargill out of the gate. It, it is wonderful to see them treat somebody like this with this much fanfare, even before they've, you know, um, stepped foot on, onto TV. It's it's wonderful promotion. And I think I have to think that there's a big element of all of this in them being able to claim, even not officially, but, you know, to the audience, the narrative that we have taken this person from AEW. You know, we've taken this person from the competition. Um, it's it, it, it's part of, I think, you know, um, a continued, like, really strong presence that WWE has um, with its success this year. Yeah, and listen, I think this is what people want, is, like, to see this back and forth. Like, it's it's invigorating for the characters that can jump from back Wrestlers and forth. Wrestlers and the audience are the biggest benefactors of this sort of thing, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it remains to be seen what will be the the first uh, big step for for Jade Cargill. But I, I feel it won't be too much longer. I don't I don't see her just being quiet here for like weeks on end. I think she's going to probably like whether they go the vignette route or I, I could see them doing like vignettes for her to lead up to a big debut. Well, I wouldn't be surprised to see her in, in the audience on Saturday at uh, at No Mercy. Mm-hmm. Possible, yeah, definitely possible. Um, that we could be seeing that one story that, I mean, it doesn't have a whole lot of details. This came out tonight, major league wrestling, CMLL and new Japan pro wrestling today announced the formation of a landmark strategic Alliance. The three world-class organizations will unite for a variety of crossover collaborations commencing this October. The strategic Alliance creates the ultimate stage for each organization to showcase their signature fighting styles and athletes. So new Japan and CMLL already, um, you know, years longstanding business relationship, um, this is, you know, two big partners for MLW to be associated with. And I mean, really, we have no details on what this is going to entail, other than it certainly seems like there is going to probably be um, talent sharing and and what this ultimately means for like other partners that, of course, New Japan um, 
with AEW, um, you know, how impact has like fit in, in in the past as well. But I mean, this is one where we'll have to see what this ultimately means uh, for these companies, because it, it's a bit of a vague uh, announcement of an alliance between these three. But uh, at the core, it's a working relationship. Hmm. I think it's a big step for MLW to maybe gain, you know, a, a bigger platform through an association with New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, especially like in, in North America. I still to, I believe it means something um, and it'll, it'll give a lot of the talents on that roster a, a, a bigger platform. So hmm. some ratings notes collision on Saturday night. They did five hundred and sixty two thousand viewers and a point one eight in the demo. And this was going against a huge Ohio State Notre Dame football game that did. 9.8 million viewers on NBC and uh, even more across all of NBC's platforms. It was the most watched regular season college game since 1993 and the biggest collision audience since July 29th. Uh, so a big rise in its male viewership uh, this week and going against such a huge football game. This was a great sign for collision that they were able to do a 0.18. And I'm curious way if you think that they, a, a football game that does over 10 million viewers is less of a hit than no mercy will be on, on Saturday. What is going to be the bigger, what, what can you yeah. see collision doing this Saturday is, is, is a 10 million viewed football game going to be a easier competition than NXT in the, uh, well, not the performance center, but in Bakersfield, California. That would sound pretty crazy. Wouldn't it, John? Now, is there, no, is there other football competition? And there's this football weekend? this week. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's going to be college football every week. I don't think we're going to see, I don't know what the games are this Saturday, but I mean, this being the biggest game, regular season game since 93, I think this is probably not the level of this competition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it'll be a really great question to be able to ask what an NXT PLE is able to take out of collision. Um, you know, NXT is, is doing really well right now, and it's gaining a lot of relevance, you know, uh, for a wrestling fan. And this card on the weekend, I think, looks really strong. Um, I don't think it'll – it obviously won't be as strong as a WWE PLE, but how how strong will it be overall? Really hard for me to say. Um, but it'll probably still be competitive. I think it, they will feel the effects at least. We did talk about Wrestle Dream going up against the uh, the Sunday night football game. Are you aware of the new – um, the new curveball uh, added to this NFL game on Sunday that Russell Dream will be going up against. No, what's that? Taylor Swift is going to be attending this Sunday night game with the Chiefs and the Jets. And if anyone has been following any media of any note this week, Taylor Swift attending a football game is apparently everybody has to weigh in on this and everybody has to discuss this. Like ticket sales for Chiefs games are going up now because of Taylor Swift. And so now we are going to see uh, Russell Dream not only go against an NFL game, but an NFL game where Taylor Swift is going to be in attendance at the Chiefs game. Oh, my God. Is she doing anything there? She's it's going like, to be probably yeah. screaming um, and being uh, probably uh, the over under on cutaways to Taylor Swift will probably be 100. Oh and I'd take God. the over on that. Oh, she'll get her own special spotlight, her own uh, sex, special section. This poor woman, oh. you know? I mean, imagine Be just wanting Between to... this, between her at this Chiefs game and that goddamn Kevin James meme, I want to just unsubscribe from the internet, okay? I can't take it. Like, there's, like, a fascination with, like, one thing. And, my God, you just drain your spirit by just everybody's got to have their little witty punchline. 
I'm imagining Kevin Kevin James is appreciating the um the notoriety and attention a little bit more these days than Taylor Swift, who you know I'm I'm sure has had plenty of it uh, in the past ten minutes. Um, well, okay, all right. Well, that's a is is that going to be a big difference maker? The Taylor Swift. Um, it, it's uh, it's seriously like in all seriousness, it's going to mean something for this football game like they are expecting like much higher viewership now like this weird it's it's weird that this season for football on the college level you have this Deion Sanders phenomenon and in the NFL like this thing is going to take on a life of its own with Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs and it's just it's amazing like the what appeals to a mass audience and you shouldn't be too surprised by this but this is the kind of stuff that it just people are nuts like, yeah. I can imagine tuning into a game because someone's going to be in attendance, but that will happen on Sunday. Mm. Okay. Raw on Monday did a million four hundred sixty-five thousand viewers and a point four three in the demo, so up slightly ten uh, percent in viewership. This going against two NFL games, but this was all a result of their older viewership, their fifty-plus viewers being up, uh, the largest since February of two thousand and twenty-three this year, uh, going against two NFL games. So that was the key. They had an older audience and that pumped up their overall viewership, but their demo was down 2%. And next week, uh, it's not two games they're against, but it is the simulcast on ABC and ESPN, which it will be for the duration of the season. And the last ratings note was NXT uh, falling back down to earth without a Becky Lynch match and limited to a video package. Like you called this one way that there was no uh, Becky Lynch at the performance center, but a live video package, 636,000 viewers, 0.18 in the demo. So despite being uh, down significantly from the last two weeks, it was still number one amongst all sports programs, but was their lowest audience since August 29th going into no mercy on Saturday night, which we had the updated lineup of Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton extreme rules match for the women's title, Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov for the NXT title. Dominic Mysterio against Trick Williams for the North American title with Dragon Lee as the special referee. What an interesting mix this is. And man, like Dominic, what a like case he would have here. Like you're putting my enemy in as the referee. Yeah, I mean, things aren't very fair. Um, I guess Pretty when you're a heel and you're stacked against this guy. No Rhea yeah. got Dragon Lee as the referee uh, as a result of a six course dinner. It led to Tony D'Angelo and Stax against the Creeds, Bronco, Nima, and Lucian Price, and Umberto and Angel for the NXT tag titles, Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker, Noam Dar against Butch, who will have Tyler Bate in his corner for the Heritage Cup, and Kalani Jordan has issued a challenge to Blair Davenport. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kalani Jordan did note she's having a tough week, which was the closest we got to a reference to anyone being cut this week with mm. uh, her mentor, Dana Brooke, gone. So that's the No Mercy lineup for... Uh, Sunday night. And yeah, this is uh, like Becky Lynch has meant a lot to NXT interest. And I think that it's, and she's doing media pro- promoting this for NXT as well. So I could see this being an above average NXT premium live event that uh, will be going up against collision. Roman Reigns has been announced for several dates. He will be, he's advertised for the SmackDown on October the 13th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and a rare house show match on October 14th, the next night in Kansas City, uh, where locally he's being advertised against Sami Zayn. I think we should fly to Kansas City because I would love to see Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn one-on-one um, from a seat. <laughs> I'm never going to drop that one. Uh, I, 
hopefully this is a preview of maybe what might be to come. It's very possible that Sammy could get moved over to SmackDown and they might actually do the rematch at some point. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, this is um, yeah, it, that's very possible. And I would think if his next appearance is October 13th, that probably is the setup for Saudi Arabia. Um, which is mm. November the 4th. So only a couple of weeks after. And the last thing, uh, just two quick MMA stories. Uh, this one, I just want to include because we were literally just talking about it on our Rewind Away covering UFC 200. And we were looking up like the state of this Mark Hunt lawsuit that was filed all the way back in 2017, coming out of that fight with Brock Lesnar the year prior. So the case is has now been uh, dismissed and Mark Hunt has lost the case. He it had, it had previously been dismissed, but then through an appeals court, they reversed the decision. So there was, I think, like one charge left to the case. And Judge Jennifer Dorsey ruled that Hunt could not prove that the UFC and Dana White knew that Brock was on any performance enhancing drugs before the fight, which when you go back to 2016, they were part of USADA. And at that time, if you were a retired fighter, you did have to go through a four-month testing period before you could come back. They waived that for Brock Lesnar, and that was sort of Mark Hunt's rationale for, you know, they they let Brock they, – they clearly gave him an exemption uh, because of who he was and wanting to get him on this big card. Uh, but, I mean, you need something more than just that to prove that they, they knowingly put Mark Hunt into a dangerous situation uh, with Brock. Brock won the fight by decision, but then it was overturned to a no contest after his drug test came back, a pair of them, where he tested positive for clomiphene. And so he filed the lawsuit, continued to fight for the UFC while he was filing this lawsuit, which was something else, and was accusing them of a fraud, a battery, aiding and abetting, and civil conspiracy. Now, I don't know what the legal fees are going to be stuck on Mark Hunt, but in 2021, they were estimated at $388,000, and now you're tacking on this appeal and going to court again. So, I mean, I don't know what the 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 legal amount, is, the legal fees are going to be for Mark Hunt, but they're going to be staggering. It's going to be a very sad state of like what he is going to be required to pay here in, in legal fees not to mention the stress and just uh, i mean i don't know how this would have affected his future um obviously with the company or even in mma beyond something like this but um he's one of the few that i guess even dared to you know take on the uh, zufa or the ufc in, in, in such a legal battle and um did not come up victorious and- and the last one, also a, a legal story involving MMA, and this is with Cain Velasquez. So he will have a hearing on December the 6th, and they will set the trial date, which they are leaning towards mid to late January, that he will go on trial for his attempted murder charge. Um, this story, for those that might forget, is he allegedly uh, chased down and shot at a vehicle in February of 2022. The vehicle was carrying three people, including Harry Goularte, who himself... Uh, is accused of molesting Velasquez's son, and Velasquez just shot and ended up hitting his stepfather, Paul Bender, who was inside the vehicle. Now, Galarte himself is due back in court November 15th on his own charges, including a felony for lewd acts with a minor under the age of 14, which he has pleaded not guilty to. And Velasquez, if found guilty, is facing a minimum of 20 years up to life in prison. And I- I've said it many times, I think like this... Uh, going to trial, this will probably get national attention because of the details of it, because of who this guy is. Like here you have um, the way it's going to be for, like cage fighter goes on rampage. I mean, it's um, 
you know, it's a, it's a story that you can certainly see being sensationalized by a lot of outlets and such, but it's going to have a lot of attention because of who this guy is, what his background is. And the fact is, um, you're going to have a lot of people sympathizing with Cain Velasquez in this, in this situation of what is alleged to have occurred to uh, his son on, on top of it. But yeah, it's, um, it's hard to imagine that he is not looking at, at some prison time and it could be a lot of time as well. So it looks like that will be going to trial early next year. Well, on that note, um, I really need to set up these stories a little bit better for the segue <laughs> because NordVPN is your best bet for all things accessible on the World Wide Web. Thank you so much, John. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, we mentioned it on Monday and I've had a lot of people since um, tell me that they've actually taken up on the offer, in fact, for tonight's Dynamite. So I will repeat it again today. We are here and we are very privileged to thank our sponsors of this podcast, NordVPN, a service I use every single day to keep my online browsing secure and encrypted. But most importantly, I use it to sign up for online services that I cannot get in Canada, such as AEW Plus on flight. It is by far the best way to consume AEW programming because unlike a lot of local apps that I have to download in order to watch Collision or Dynamite, I can start and rewind these shows even on a delay. So I started this show actually 20 minutes later, John. I had to really speed God through to try it. to catch up. This. <laughs> yes, uh, I can watch any archive of any AEW TV broadcast I want. I can even cast it off my laptop or my phone to my Chromecast or Apple AirPlay, it's honestly way easier than even using any sort of pirated websites and gives me full HD quality. But perhaps the biggest benefit ahead of this weekend is that it allows me to purchase AEW pay-per-views at half the price. Because, for instance, you can buy AEW's Wrestle Dream this weekend for $39.99 in the U.S. But if you switch your location to the U.K., the price becomes $19.99 U.S. And if you're actually signed up to AEW+, Plus, it's even cheaper at $15.99. A standard two-year plan... With Nord costs $3.08 a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash post wrestling. So it has already paid itself, paid for itself many times over. I've done this to get cheaper Netflix, F1 TV. Apparently, you can also try it with flights, hotel bookings, and car rentals as well. It's incredibly easy to either use on your desktop or through your phone. You can download the Nord app, sign into your account, choose the country you want to connect to, and that is it. So sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling, where you can get four extra months on top of all two-year plans. They've also got a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, $3.08 a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling, or check the link in the show description. Do us a favor, sign up with our link, get yourself some bonus months, and let them know you found out about us. I found out about them through post. All right. Thank you as always, Way. A beautiful, beautiful understanding of a, a great system. I'm sorry. I am so caffeinated right now. It's, <laughs> it, dude, I feel like I'm having an out of body experience. As was uh, many people watching this show from Broomfield, Colorado, the first bank center for dynamite. And we had uh, Russell Tick's last update uh, 2,922 tickets distributed. Pretty significantly down from the last time they were here in December, just over 4,200 people um, back in December. So John Moxley, we got the note late in the day that he was not cleared for tonight's show after last week's concussion. And Phoenix also hurt last week, but was cleared earlier in the day with Khan announcing this one hour before the show to set up the obvious match from the second Jeff Jarrett walked into the AEW doors. 
Jeff Jarrett versus Ray Phoenix, which was going to kick off Dynamite for the international championship. And it looks like uh, Phoenix, it was a shoulder injury because his left shoulder was all taped up here. And if ever there was a, st- uh, a clash of styles, this was it. I cannot think of too many people with more polar opposite approaches to this industry that they are somehow linked to than Phoenix and Jeff Jarrett. This is the type of match I think you would see on a you know GCW show, Spring Break. Um, it's really the type of match you go. What what is this going to look like? Is it going to be anything acceptable? Um, is it going to be a disaster, or could it be marvelous? Well, you be the judge of that. Uh, some of the some of the highlights included Ray Phoenix giving a Rana that sent Jay Lethal flying headfirst into Satnam Singh's groin. He then super kicked Dutt and Jared after going for Karen. And Phoenix's back gives out as he's trying to lift Jeff. And uh, you, you can see, like, Phoenix, e- either great selling or he is, like, dealing with this shoulder injury. And mm-hmm. I could see it being the latter. Um, Jared, at one point, he got, like, marked up on on his forehead here. Aubrey then shoves down Karen. And the place went pretty nuts here for this. And they're bringing up th- those two in their history. Crowd was pretty heated for Phoenix as he did the running PK to lethal on the apron. Singh distracted, causing a low blow by Jarrett. Count, kicks out at two then the stroke is hit but phoenix at the very last second is able to grab onto the rope with his feet and drop kicks sutton off the apron figure four by jarek gets countered into an inside cradle in eight minutes and 16 seconds i i could judge this on the phoenix scale and and i would have this uh fairly low hmm. this also had the my complete attention because of just what is this science experiment of a pro wrestling match. And I can't say it was um, a great match, but it was certainly something that I was curious to see what Ray Phoenix and Jeff Jarrett would look like. And this was our answer. What did you think? Well, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, in that same vein, if you were to grade this match on a Jeff Jarrett scale, I would say it was pretty damn good. You know, Um, it's, they they were successful at it. And at this stage, like, you know, seeing that this is Ray Phoenix in there, one of the fastest wrestlers in the world with – how old is he, John? Jarrett? Jarrett yeah. He's got to be early 50s. A 50-something-year-old Jeff Jarrett. The man, the fact that they managed to pull this off. I mean, come on. Let's let's give the man his flowers, right? Like, he did pretty damn well here. He's 56. Um, yeah, yeah. Imagine, like, imagine you were do, doing anything physical at 56. Are you kidding me? Uh, much less I, I would need three coffees Phoenix. before this match. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought they crafted a very effective underdog story for Phoenix with him basically taking on the entire stable. Um, I do at this point kind of groan at the Aubrey and Karen stuff, but just cause like no other referee in AEW gets involved at this level. And it just seems so, uh, you know, uncharacteristic of, of AEW at this point, but it got a great reaction from the crowd. It's a good first title defense. I will say, um, whether or not intentionally they seem to be carrying forward the, same gimmick that anybody who holds the international title always works hurt. Okay. <laughs> Whether it be orange Cassidy towards the, the end of his run or John Moxley throughout the two weeks, or now Ray Phoenix from the very beginning of his run, anybody who holds this damn title is going to be pretty hurt um, as they're, as they're doing it. Is but, this the title to strive for? I mean, not just like the, the, the curse nature of it, but man, I got to wrestle every week. <laughs> like maybe, maybe I'm going to go for one of the other 50 titles. Yeah, the FTW title might be a more. How, more how about I win the title that gets a promo segment every week, and I wrestle at every pay per view? That would be mm. the title I would want to get. Interesting. Just well, let me talk. Well, 
Well, I mean, they, 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 there is, of course, a certain level of prestige to being able to say I've had the, a, a long international title run where I've worked hurt for three months, three, four months, and I've, I've survived it. Um, they're very lucky, I should say, that they, the, the, this, the, the, the injury to John Moxley happened within a match with somebody as well liked as Ray Phoenix because the crowd was immediately behind him. He's somebody that I think a lot of people have been clamoring for to, to receive an actual push in a singles title run of this nature. So I, this could still very well work to, to what they're looking for. What if in a different world it was John Moxley and Jeff Jarrett, and what a what a story that would have been? Oh God, that would have worked too. Like I, you know what? I'd be very curious to see that a Jeff Jarrett International title run. We go out to a boat on Long Island, and there is Adam Cole on crutches with MJF, and together they're drinking, they're fishing, they talk about Roderick Strong and. MJF mentioning you were on the phone with him a long time last week and you didn't even come out with me for the Joe match. You were late and he goes behind Cole and th- this was very, very Sopranos-esque as he's got the uh, the Tony Soprano uh, boat cap on and he goes to put on the ring and Cole thinks he's going to whack him right here on the boat, but he catches him and explains to MJF it's normal and healthy to have more than one friend and MJF understands this having never had friends before he's learning what it is to be a friend so they continue fishing and adam cole thinks he's caught something and he's trying to reel it in and we cut to captain insano in a floaty and they pull in paul white and then the three of them drink beer together yeah we finally got our big captain insano cameo on dynamite here boy um i've been holding my breath since the teases began and here was our payoff this was quite the segment. I mean, I thought I thought it was about on the same level as, you know, all their other skits. If you happen to like sort of like the cute campy nature of those, you, I think, would have very much liked this one. Um, if you're a purist who is turned off by these sort of things in your AEW programming, you would have probably really hated this as well. Um, it, I, I thought it was cute and I thought it was exactly the thing that I think has gotten this team to this stage and, and you know it has gotten them to, to be as beloved as they are right now so I thought Paul White was coming in as the new partner as the heavy oh goodness I would love it if he continued to make these cameos He's, he'd be a perfect fit for this sort of not thing. out of the realm of possibility we actually have the exact same setup with Cena in this handicap situation for Fastlane and the expectation that LA Knight's going to be his partner. And you could very well see someone come to MJF's aid to be his partner on Hmm. Sunday. It certainly doesn't have to be Paul White, but as many people have thrown out the idea of like a Roderick Strong and you have that dynamic to it. And then those two become close friends over the next with, with Adam Cole gone. So it's like, it's like Brenda going off to France with Donna and Dylan gets to hang out with Kelly while Brenda's gone. Right, exactly what what I, what I was thinking, yeah. We continue on. We go from Long Island to Japan, where Don Callis and Kanosuke Takeshita have hunted down Kota Ibushi's mysterious gym. And they know all of Kota's secrets, and we're going to learn what, what they found. As they are brought out to the ring by Renee, and Callis first brings out Sammy Guevara, and Callis explains that he brought his personal camera crew to Japan. And he went to Abushi's dojo, and there they attack wrestler Yumahito Iminari. And then Abushi runs out to try and save his pal here. And 
Takeshi and Ibushi get into a fight in the dojo. Callus uses his umbrella. This has no effect on Ibushi. But Takeshi uses a kettlebell, and that did have an effect. So this man took a kettlebell to the head, okay? <laughs> and he's he's going to be okay. They so, rolled on the kettlebell, too, in their brawl. Like, I mean, this was obviously it had to be there, but, I mean, it was sure it didn't feel nice to land on a kettlebell. So we come back, and at first you think, like, this is like writing off Kota Ibushi from this match. But instead, the idea is everyone on the babyface team is going in hurt to mm. this trios match on Sunday. And Sammy says that he is the hero in this story. Jericho is the villain, and Guevara got a ton of heat. Jericho held him back for four years, and without him, he won titles. He headlined pay-per-views, but you clipped my wings and wouldn't pass the torch to me. So I'm taking the torch from you. And they're going into Sunday. They're all healthy, and their opponents are hurt. And and we did not have Abushi, Jericho, or Omega on tonight's show. Abushi, you- like in in taped form, but nobody physically there in uh, in Broomfield. Yeah, and as part of the story, I I can appreciate it, I suppose. You know, maybe just as a way to to give them a bit more extra time to heal. Um, you do the story of basically Callus and his family taking out all of them ahead of the match. Um. It was good, I thought. Entertaining segment, and it was really nice to see Ibushi finally involved in an angle and not just to, you know, make a one-off appearance at a pay-per-view but before taking off again. He actually feels a bit more like a part of the story this time around. So um, we also got a chance to see, you know, Sammy interact as a, an official part of the uh, Callis family, and I like the idea a lot. You know, he speaks, he does the high-flying, while Takeshita, you know, might be more focused at this point as sort of like the enforcer of the group. So... It seems like a good fit to me. And Ibushi has really, uh, he's been very clever here in this lead up because if he looks off on Sunday, guy's selling a kettlebell injury. There you go. That's an excuse for all of them, I guess. Starks and Big Bill are interviewed after the Texas death match from Collision. And Starks says he didn't lose. He survived. He never tapped. And uh, Yuta enters and calls him an entitled prick. He's all style, no substance, and just complains and moans. And Yuta compares how the BCC beat his ass and he always gets back up. Starks doesn't have the balls to do that and challenges Starks to a match at Wrestle Dream. Starks walks off and they immediately state that the match is official. So this is our 10th match that we have for Wrestle Dream. At the end of the show, we'll go over the lineup. But uh, one more match for Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, a match of, I think, you know, significant consequence. Uh, I think more so just a way to get Starks some uh, a presence on this pay-per-view as one of, you know, your your talents that have re- received some of the most airtime over the past cycle. But um, from this segment alone, I thought you just sounded really good. You know, he had good emotion here, good control of his intensity. So I do feel like there's improvement in his speaking ability here. Um, I sense that this was a much more babyface Wheeler Yuta compared to maybe you know even two weeks ago and it's probably the same for Claudio where now that this Kingston feud is over he and Claudio can join the rest of the BCC in being a bit more of a babyface aligned um, characters triple threat match Nick Jackson Claudio Castagnoli and Brian Cage this was a blind eliminator match where they were picked at random and the winner will get to challenge Phoenix for the international title because next week is the fourth anniversary anniversary of Dynamite from Stockton, California. Maybe the Diaz brothers are going to show up at Dynamite next week. Um, no, they'd be great. I would just let them go out and just do whatever. Put them on commentary for Rampage. 
Let them take um, uh, the the Jim Ross's role of doing sit down interviews. I I think they should be correspondent. How about they do that. commentary with Jim Ross? Perfect. Yes. <laughs> this is Nick Jackson's second singles match ever on Dynamite. His first was with Phoenix <laughs> from 2019. So um, this match saw uh, Nick Jackson just on fire here with these two. We saw Nick with a moonsault off the apron that was caught by Claudio and turned into a head scissors, comes in 450 on Cage. Claudio does the giant swing onto Cage, and Cage recovers, catches Nick's high cross, turns that into the F5, and then a deadlift vertical on Claudio for a two-count. Pop-up European sends Nick to the floor, and then Claudio goes for the Ricola bomb, hits it on Cage, but Nick comes in with a springboard Rana, sending Claudio out, and with Cage out from the Ricola bomb, Nick pins him in 10.07, uh, with Cage getting the uh, the like two and nine-tenths kick out at, at the end, which you, you don't see too often, but uh, Cage doing kind of the, uh, the semi-kick out at the end. And Nick Jackson wins, so we get a rematch of, to me, one, one of the best matches during that, beginning couple of months on dynamite with nick jackson and ray phoenix for next week yeah um if you're gonna run with an a ray phoenix you know title uh, series let's do I, all I, the cool matches we can do as long as this guy has this title totally absolutely you have to make each match feel special and this is almost a guarantee that it's going to be uh you know one of the most talked about matches of the next week uh i thought this particular match was awesome john you know the pace is uh, exactly of what you would expect of a young buck style you know match except you have two giant guys here in claudio and brian cage who can also keep up with that style and speed um i would love to see a singles match in the future future between claudio and cage i think those two are just similar uh, you know of a similar mold that's just like you know these super athletes who could just do incredible things for their size so this was very enjoyable the righteous did a vignette addressing mjf and cole with these paper cutouts and stated that karma has no deadline and it's easier to forgive your enemy than a fake friend and you heard the word liar repeated don't mm -hmm. know what any of this meant but um He's calling out like one Cole, either Cole or MJF being being a liar a in their relationship. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, I mean it's it's in the very it much you know much the same vein as as the uh, any Bray Wyatt you know segment, and I, I I would go as far as to say these are almost homages to like the Wyatt family vignettes, you know maybe given their relationship um, to, to to Bray. Um, they they are cool. They look great, but I definitely do feel like they lack a certain impact because they feel so disconnected from the rest of the show. Like all the righteous, it just felt like it was shot before the injury. Like the idea oh, yeah. that these the, the champions wouldn't be able to trust each other in the in the match, and this was sort of dated totally. within fifteen minutes. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, obviously they were like they look exactly the same as the ones that came before, so they probably bulk shot. And this is the nature of pro wrestling, unfortunately. So, um, but the righteous in general, I mean, there's been a lot of criticism of them being chosen for this particular role. Um, come to think of it, you, it makes you wonder if they were chosen specifically to put in a handicap match situ situation as you know opponents that MJF could actually beat, um, rather than you know a team that you might want to protect more. Um, but Otherwise, they're, I, I'm a little dis disappointed that they didn't make like a more of a speaking in arena appearance here on Dynamite just to kind of feel like a bigger part of the show. Because as it, as it exists, they still do feel a bit just um, just like a generic team. MJF and Adam Cole are out. And there we see Adam Cole in a cast 
on crutches. Uh, these two got a massive reaction coming out. And Cole sits in the middle of the ring and announces that his ankle exploded last week in three different places. He tore ligaments and he's going to have to have surgery. And he goes to relinquish the tag titles, but MJF cuts him off, stating they did not go to this length to win these titles, to relinquish them to the righteous as he surveys the crowd. MJF takes the blame because he needed Adam Cole at Grand Slam, and he wants to make sure that these titles are waiting for Cole, and he's going to defend them on Sunday in a handicap match. Roderick Strong is wheeled out by the kingdom in a hospital gown and needs Cole. It's an emergency. And MJF just explains that he respects Cole enough to respect that Roderick's his boy and he'll be here when Cole comes back. They hug and Cole walks off and, and leaves to the back after the kingdom and Roderick. Then we go. Do you uh, just 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 on Adam Cole? Uh, Britt Baker just uh, tweeted out a photo of Adam Cole's. Oh, ankle, God. Do we want to so. see this? OK. I, I mean, just for scientific purposes, yes, yes. yes. Um, it, it does not look like it's an exaggeration what he claimed at all. So, um, best wishes to his recovery. You can see the uh, several oh. breaks right here in this X-ray. So, uh, Britt Baker says this guy broke his ankle in three places on a freak accident. He still hobbled around on live TV because, as we like to say, the show must go on. Adam Cole does, gave, gives his entire heart and soul to pro wrestling. He's one tough cookie, and this is just a small bump in the road. He'll be back better than ever, baby. I mean, this is it's it's a brutal injury, but I think like after you go through a concussion like that, I mean, at least this is not like a head injury. You know what I mean? Mm. It would be so much more severe, but I mean, that's not to downplay. Like he's got a lot of recovery uh, ahead of him. So and it could be, could be a while that, that he is out with this. Like this is a very severe s- several breaks that he has, mm-hmm. but out goes Cole and in comes bullet club gold and Jay white enters the ring by himself. And white cuts a promo on MJF and MJF, accuses him of smoking some Colorado grass, which generates a weed chant and calls out Jay for his mid mic work and the pubic hair that is glued to his chin that he calls a goatee. And MJF states that over the years, he's constantly been compared to others, but it never bothered him until he heard, yeah, he's good, but he's no Jay White. The crowd chants BS at this. And MJF compares himself to filet mignon. And the show is all about him whereas jay is talented and was able to manage and manage to convince even smart fans that they are both filet mignon when really jay white is just tofu and i truly believe this will be a chant that will follow jay white after this promo tofu and he explains that with tofu you have to add something to it to convince yourself it has taste and he's been given everything, the entrance, the T-shirt, the music, the big matches, and handed the keys to one of the biggest factions of all time. However, if you pluck it all away, you're left with nothing but bland, boring tofu. You're all hype and an intelligently produced, mass-marketed vision of what someone in Japan thought was a top guy. And White should just leave the ring now, or else for the rest of his career, people are going to say, yeah, Jay White is good but he's no MJF. So now white who has just been annihilated here has to come back. I mean, this was such a a annihilation. I mean, he woke up in Perth and (laughs) white came for his own personal MJF experience, but kind of feels let down. He thinks that MJF is distracted with this bromance with Cole 
fans don't love you like they do love Adam Cole. And with that, the whole arena starts chanting MJF. He blames MJF for Cole breaking his ankle, brings up his neck problem, and has to find a new level in order to beat Jay White because he's going to take his title. And then he proceeds to go on about every accolade he has achieved and maybe like a dozen different monikers that he has assigned himself. He insults your loser pores and you being a loser scumbag. And MJF finally snaps and yells that White doesn't know what he's capable of and he's going to show him, but Jay White takes off. All told, when you include the Adam Cole portion with this, this was like 20 minutes. This might have been a record for a talking segment in AEW. And at the end of it, I mean, this is a big match they're building to, uh, but much in the sense of uh, Gunther and Tommaso Ciampa, it will eventually happen, but we don't know when. Uh, and it's certainly not happening this Sunday. Um, overall, I saw a lot of um, strong reaction that this is a direction they're going with, but this was two very different promo styles of MJF and Jay White. Um, one who is like very much, you know, trying to like really cut deep on like the shortcomings of this character in pro wrestling. And the other that's doing more of your traditional kind of heel material for, um, for, for the Jay White character a- as well. But uh, what did you think about this portion of the segment? Well, first of all, like the moment these two, you know, the moment Jay White came out and we realized we were going to get this promo battle between two uh, people I, I consider to be excellent at, at the art form um, just immediately had me salivating and continues to be one of the things I really look for in in my AEW programming. You know, not just great in-ring action, but great microphone back and forth promo battles that feel mm, there's a, I mean, <laughs> history has told us there's a great level of um, unscripted nature in some of these that could um, sometimes get people in real trouble. So it, it just all, all, all is to say that um, they're very exciting because you don't like, it actually feels like a real rap battle where you, you don't know who's going to get the better uh, of the two. Um, this was, I think a top tier, you know, fight between two heavyweights on the microphone, but man on the mic, like in this first round, at least I should say, it was a very clear 10-9 MJF. Um, some might even say 10-8. Now, you you do kind of, you know, point out the, the stylistic differences where MJF is very much um, veering off into sort of like, mm, this is not exactly a work shoot, but like still very much kind of like targeting M- um, Jay White's success um, to the level of his push, you know, and the level of his opportunity um, uh, uh, through his history. Whereas... Jay White seemed to stick more with story, um, but I thought MJF simply did a better job of do executing his style, whereas I don't think Jay White really even had that much substance. You know, MJF came out here and he found a perfect metaphor to describe a wrestler that has picked to be a golden child but doesn't really deserve it in Tofu. You know, there's there's a lot of merit to the criticism. I mean, it makes you wonder if Jay White never got his Wrestle Kingdom, you know, main events, never got the win over um, who's Tanahashi, like at, at his first uh, uh, major event, never had the opponents he had. Would he still be regarded this high? Um, I thought MGF's promo was very strongly written, beautifully delivered, and he fully got the crowd behind him chanting tofu, which is remarkable. Jay, on the other hand, I think could have come back with much stronger material as, you know, even if he chose to stick with story, he could have come up with much stronger material talking about how 
MJF um, has become soft, you know, because of this relationship with Adam Cole. I don't like he hinted at it. I don't think he elaborated enough and I don't think he cut deep enough because he needed to, especially if you're going up against somebody who's using the promo style and the realistic sort of criticisms that MJF is about to bring. Um, I didn't think he said anything that was nearly memorable enough to live up to. I think what came before and instead just kind of relied on a lot of his catchphrases and things that he just kind of had in the bank. Really strong delivery as always, but it kind of exposed the lack of substance to the promo. Um, I almost feel like he should have gone first, you know, and you you should have had the stronger promo and MJF go second, especially with him being a babyface. Yeah, I you can certainly uh, debate sort of uh, the merit of of the content, but I think at the end, people were pretty high on this being a direction for the AEW title. I would question the timing of doing this on your go home dynamite, because at the end of this segment, I certainly had almost zero interest in MJF against the righteous on Sunday. Like this just feels Mm -hmm. like a total afterthought that this was a way more interesting direction. And you're coming off like this big MJF Samoa Joe match. And this match, this replacement match for Sunday feels like a non-entity on on sunday and doing this segment this week i mean uh, they have their reasoning for doing this but it was just such a big segment that is not going to have an immediate payoff this is for down the road right right well what's the next big thing that they have i mean it's full full gear um in how much time which is a fair ways away we're we're talking almost two months until full gear but you could you could you could hold this off until then if you wanted to like um Mm. uh, unless you felt the need to do this on some big tv special before then Right. So, yeah, they could be setting this in motion for full gear or they could be trying to peek to, you know, a, a big edition of Dynamite or Collision that's coming up relatively soon. But maybe more more likely it's to justify whatever, you know, they did at the end of the show that um, we'll probably be talking about, too, with the mystery attack. Next, we went to another talking segment. We have Jim Ross sitting down with Christian Cage and Darby Allen. No physicality allowed because their match is just too important for Sunday. Cage says... I've been champion for months. I just retained it on Saturday. And JR brings up that you have two losses to Darby, but Cage just calls those flukes and they were non-title losses. Darby is not the wrestler that I am. He relies on tricks, weapons, and using his body as a weapon. I asked for this match to see how he could handle himself in a wrestling match, and I'm going to expose him on Sunday. And Cage then asks if Darby's uncle is going to be in attendance, the uncle that drove him while intoxicated when Darby was young. Darby notes that his uncle is dead, but that doesn't define me. I'm not afraid of dying, and you can't beat me in Seattle. I've won the title there before. Cage says, well, why don't you bring your entire family to Wrestle Dream and bring Nick Wayne's mother, bring Buddy Wayne, and bring Nick as well. And Darby is doing this himself. He says that so should Cage. Don't bring Luchasaurus. And Cage notes how Nick Wayne needs a real man as his mentor. And when he accuses Darby of hiding behind his face paint, Darby douses himself with water and indicates that he does not hide behind this face paint. And Cage says, I will always be champion and the face of TNT as Jim Ross just took all of this in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he's seen a lot in his day, so I don't think much phases Jim Ross at, at this point. But um, I really continue to like Jim Ross in, in this role. I think this is the role that, you know, he should be doing in AEW, like, 
he's the guy who likes to ask questions about certain storylines and why people are doing this, even if it's not, you know, benefiting the story. But in this situation like this, him asking questions about why Christian feels like he could beat Darby after he's lost twice, I thought served up like a perfect reason for Christian to answer those, those concerns. And it ended up being beyond that, a very good intense segment between the two Darby is just i mean for a guy who paints his face and does like you know incredible dives he feels like one of the most real characters in this entire roster everything he says you truly believe that he believes it um and i loved him like wiping his face paint off to show that he doesn't need to hide what a great moment um interview i thought from him also the closest to a nod to our unofficial unofficial curse of 2023 when he was told bring your family to the arena and he said no that's it. Yeah. Don't and just just don't even mention, you know, your family members who may have passed away if you're going to be in a feud with Christian because the man is going to use it against you at some point. Orange Cassidy, Austin Gunn, Matt Jackson and Penta uh, in a four way match for momentum for Sunday's four way tag match. We had a long face off between Austin and Penta. Matt hits a dive to the floor and then orange Cassidy delivers a destroyer to Matt. Then one to Austin gun, the four staggered to their feet before all four collapsed together. Excalibur thought that Penta would have the advantage tonight because they are at elevation and he lives in Mexico, but it looks like everyone is uh, up to, up to par here. Matt does his, uh, his strong man spots with the rolling Northern lights on the Cassidy, then catches Penta and Austin for a double version while completing an O'Connor roll to orange Cassidy for a two count. Penta stops the BTE trigger, and we just get uh, move after move here. An orange punch to Penta, beach break on Matt, a famouser by Austin onto Orange Cassidy for a two count, and then it's a triple super kick to Austin, then a double super kick to Cassidy. Penta gets the last super kick in on Matt, who responds with his own, and then they go into super kicks, lariats together, and Austin yanks Penta to the floor. Matt turns around, boom, with the orange punch, and Cassidy wins in 12 minutes and 22 seconds, and thus momentum on the side of Orange Cassidy and Hook. Well, very important. I mean, uh, more often than not, um, this sort of momentum means you're not going to win. It, it could, right? yeah. Taz noted that uh, Cassidy has uh, taken his, uh, what, his his colors, his his son. He's taken all of this from him. <laughs> colors and his, his son and his, um, yeah. Uh, very good match. You know, felt like almost a bit of a sequel to the three-way we saw earlier where this was very much sort of like, um, yeah, and Young Bucks, you know, type of style. Really tight choreography and very creative four-way spots, including like the whole sequence with the Destroyers um, basically interrupting whatever Austin Gunn was going for. So I thought Austin did a good job being the lone heel here among the three. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. 
And then Julia Hart and Willow Nightingale. The main event. Last match of the show. Technically, yeah. Willow comes out. She has a bandage over her eye from the black mist, which is peeled off by Julia Hart. And she's got all this makeup over her left eye. And Willow is attacking her with scoop slams, a lot of aggression here. And then Brody King would block Willow from getting to Julia Hart. After the picture in picture, uh, she goes for the heartless, her submission, and Willow gets to the rope. Hart then goes for a handspring and goes right into a pounce and gets put into the tree of woe, but she sits up as Willow misses the cannonball and falls in perfect position for a top rope moonsault as Julia Hart lands on her for the win in eight minutes, eight seconds, applies the heartless onto Willow, who cannot escape as Chris Statlander runs out, and again, Julia Hart retreats behind Brody King going into Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think the this Julia Hart rebrand has been really successful with the House of Black. The crowd seems to be really into her. I believe this was during the commercial break, but I mean, there were 50-50 chance for both women here, which I think is a real feat, especially when the other person is Willow. So um, she's getting a chance to, you know, have a big match at a pay-per-view. So we'll see how Julia Hart does. Very big stage for uh, Julia Hart. Rampage on Friday will have Eddie Kingston and Rocky Romero, Hikaru Shida against Ruby Soho, and the acclaimed against the Hardys and Isaiah Cassidy in an open challenge for the trios belts. And then Collision has added an eight-man tag with Brian Danielson, Wheeler Yuta, and FTR against Aussie Open, Ricky Starks, and Big Bill with Zack Sabre Jr. on commentary. Your main event right there. Yeah. um, I wish he could have been on on Dynamite, but I mean, Brian wasn't going to be on this show, so... um, You're going to get... Zack Sabre Jr. and Nigel McGuinness together, which I feel is just a dream wow. commentary pairing. Certainly. Bloody Absolutely. lovely to be here. The terrible Zack. <laughs> which one was that? Known. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's for you to decide. <laughs> anyway, that's uh that's coming up on Saturday. So probably some you you gotta do some angle here involving Danielson and Zach at the end, even if it's just like a big face off or some promo segment. I, I think you should let Zach talk beyond just commentary, but I think so, too. I mean, this pay-per-view number for Russell Dream is is going to tell you a whole lot about the strength of Brian Danielson as a headlining draw against an opponent that is pretty, like, not very well known outside of, you know, your your hardcore AEW fan or or New Japan Pro Wrestling fan. Um, He's not made any appearances on AEW television thus far. We haven't even heard him speak other than, you know, via, um, I guess, uh, uh, tape segments and taped interviews and, and all that. So, but he does like have, I would say like a pretty strong, maybe, I don't know. Um, like, You're attaching dream match to this and let's not underestimate like sometimes how just the marketing of like dream match can sometimes like that was, that was sort of in many ways, the hook of the first forbidden door was just, here's a mm-hmm. concept. Um, not to say this is like equals. It was also noteworthy on this show that uh, unless like I missed a mention here or there, like online, there's so much discussion about what does this new era mean for Sunday? That wasn't any part of the, the the sales job tonight of like pushing that as anything or that an announcement is coming. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the promo spot is out there. Like people have heard it. Like they're expecting something. But that was hardly pushed at as a selling point of the pay-per-view tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Final segment, Renee hosts the contract sign. They were having a bunch of transmission issues uh, as well that they did even note on the broadcast. And so Swerve and Hangman are out and the elite and the mogul embassy have been banned from ringside to uh, keep this contract signing uh, civil. 
Swerve says he's been impressed with Paige and his fire of late, but he's walking into the lion's den of Seattle, and it's unlike anything Hangman has ever dealt with. Swerve is nothing like Hangman, a cowboy and an outlaw, a buckshot and a kill shot. A great line. Mm-hmm. Paige comes back and says how you brought up the fact that I hadn't got any new gear for the last year. There's been no merchandise for me. He says for the last year and a half, I've had a black cloud over my head. And yes, there have been some highs like beating Moxley in the Texas death match and reuniting with the elite. But every time I smiled, that cloud came back and it started to rain and it annoyed me. And then it pissed me off, but I couldn't say anything about it, but that is over with. Guess you could say this problem has gone to sleep and he weathered the storm. He's still here, but that downpour washed something out of him, whether it be his passion or his hope. And these people deserve the best of me and I deserve it too. And that's what you're going to get in Seattle swerve the best of hangman page. And this was, as, <laughs> I don't know, as straight, not too much subtlety to, to this one of how they are. They're going to get some juice out of this, uh, uh, real life uh, issue. I thought it 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 balanced balanced it really well. Like you know, if you know, you know, and even if you it, know, it, like you're not a hundred percent sure. I mean, I, what, I would I does, would argue, wait, this is one. If you don't know, then you'd be a little confused for like, what is he talking mm, about? If not, but I don't think there would be that many people that wouldn't understand what this was. Well, his okay. If you don't know, then the black cloud would simply be him being out of the title picture would be him, you know, not necessarily being a focal point of the show anymore, like not being as successful and not as competitive. But if you do know, and if you do the, you know, look up your calendars, well, then maybe you can tell that. Yeah. The workers right promo was about one and a half years ago. And, um, you can look you can interpret it however you want but i thought it worked in both ways and i don't think it was like you know really confrontational about about cm punk as much as it was about mm, the fallout from that incident affecting him and his mood and maybe his 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 status in the company yeah and it was sort of like a metaphor for i think you could argue this company that it's it's had its highs over the last year and a half but there was always the, this cloud and mm-hmm. i mean and not to assign it to like one person but it was like this whole incident of all the players involved like mm-hmm. as further as we got it always came back to all out from last year or just something creeping up and that's you could certainly ex- extend it to like the, the company following this so Swerve just takes this all in and laughs it off and calls that speech pathetic. Worse than Russell Wilson and the Broncos last weekend. The audience was not happy with that line. And Swerve says he might have mental health problems because he makes an enemy out of someone every day. But it motivates me to get in the position that you are in. And I'm going to take your position and reminds Hangman, it rains a lot in seattle i mean that's just a great great line from uh, mm-hmm. swerve like both guys were awesome in this segment page says you and i can go back and forth about whether i was handed opportunities or whether i worked for them but the fact is with every opportunity i knocked it out of the park you should want my spot but you don't have what it takes to fill my boots so swerve slaps him and then as he goes to sign Hangman Page stabs him in the hand with the pen as security comes in to separate the two. And that's the end of the contract signing. And you think the show is ending when we cut to the back and there are four masked devils attacking Jay White. And that is how the show ends with a a rare cliffhanger. 
here in AEW. Yeah. Uh, so before we talk about maybe the closing segment, we should talk about you know, Swerve and, and Paige and, mm-hmm. and how we felt. Um, of you know, if we're talking about maybe the centerpiece promo battles on the show, uh, in this versus the MJF segment with Jay White, I thought this was the much more cohesive and and sort of like um maybe even like um uh stronger uh, promo segment in totality because i thought both men were equally as strong and both men looked good um it was obviously very clear that or at least it seemed clear to me that you know both men were working together to craft their promo segments where it felt like the njf j white one was a lot more combative and as a result it felt kind of lopsided in my opinion and overall not as strong you know for the feud because it didn't make j white look as great um but I thought this was really strong. You know, I thought this, there was some great storytelling from from uh, Hangman Page there. He also seemed to really speak from the heart, in my opinion. And Swerve, as a character, is just amazing. You know, he speaks with such incredible style. Everything he says sounds cool. And I think he has great points as well. So this was a great follow-up segment to the great um, back and forth they had several weeks ago. This There's enough life in this story that I, I would love to see them continue beyond Sunday. Yeah, I thought I thought they I thought it was a great segment. I really enjoyed it. There there was a lot of talking on this show, but on on a go home show, you are going to lean more towards those those kinds of segments. But I thought this was um, probably the strongest one on the show. I thought they I thought they did a really great job, and it's they have very much set this up to be a pro swerve crowd on on Sunday. Like they are positioning him as the hometown hero in Seattle, and Hangman's going to be the the villain. We shall see. Yeah, I mean, I could. Uh, I mean, I could see the reaction being being mixed, you know. But if if it was pro swerve, it wouldn't surprise me too much. Uh, so this backstage attack, do you, you have any thoughts where it's leading to? I like the fact that they have like a story that is going to develop over probably weeks, if not longer, of you know the the assailants here and the way that you know the visual you had of MJF being alone in the ring and you had. Roderick Strong, the Kingdom, and Adam Cole, the four of them leaving together to the back, and that's the last we see of them. And then you you have the four here. So you have uh, different different ideas of like putting suspects uh, in, in there as well. And was it not five? Uh, can you get a better? Fr- I, I thought it was four, but I, I could be mistaken. I thought uh, it, was four. it looked like it was four and then the double overlooking. Okay. Well, that so was five. Five. So four plus plus whoever's in the double mask. Uh, can we rule out MJF at this point? Like, say, can we say? No, I think I think your ideas, like, uh, you know, you're supposed to be guessing all of these people. I mean, they wanted to make you almost assume MJF that it would be too obvious to be. But, but the story is who framed MJF, basically, right? Yeah, I think I think that's it. And and conversely, like you can sort of do. This is kind of like the Sting story of MJF, like. Mm-hmm. Prof- like profusely denying this and no one believing him because he has been so often like backstabbing people like he is the devil and this is one time he's telling the truth but no one will believe him um mm-hmm. that that's one way you can go with this and then that was a very effective storyline that wcw got out of that I, I yeah um again this is maybe more so veering into the sports entertainment realm of of this art form that um, a lot of people might be turned off by in their AEW programming but but we've they're already that. in so much of that. Like exactly. They're... And we've seen it work so well and so poorly for other companies too. But like, you know, for WWE, they made use of these sort of like a mystery whodunit types of things. To, this to this is effect. very similar to that, that 
that panned angle with the dark order laying out the elite at that, that December, 2019 show that, you know, caused Tony Khan to just pretty much take over all of the creative. Like this was not that different in terms of presence. The difference is it's, it's, it's MJF and Cole and, and potentially a bunch of other more interesting characters than, than the dark order. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in it. Like I, it could it could be very bad, but I have a bit more trust, I think, in them to deliver on, on the quality and the promise of maybe a new stable being formed coming out of this as well. Uh, so I look forward to a lot of uh, reasoned, coherent uh, reaction to this in the in the days to come. So that was uh, Dynamite uh, tonight from the show. So uh, let's take a quick look at the Wrestle Dream card of what we have uh, now that we are uh, just days out from the pay-per-view. We are up to 10 matches from the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, and we have got, um, I think we're assuming Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. is your main event. It's hard to think, imagine anything else closing the show. I mean, without a title match and with the this being on all the posters, I, I'm pretty certain it, this would be. Following that, Hangman Page against Swerve Strickland. FTR against Aussie Open for the John, why, why don't you follow these graphics here just so I, I don't have a oh, sorry, time sorry. following. So let's uh, Ricky Starks and, and Wheeler Yuta, which was added tonight. Yeah. Then we have uh, MJF defending the ROH tag titles in a handicap match against Dutch and Vincent. Mm-hmm. Is this on yeah. zero hour or is this on the pay-per-view? I'm pretty sure this will be on, on the pay-per-view. Um, I, 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 I'll say to me, like, I'm a bit more interested now that it's a handicap match versus, you know, this being a, a pretty basic, you know, tag title defense. Um, I could see a title change or, I don't know. I, I would see... not be having MJF lose to these guys at, at all. Okay, well, it doesn't have to be him being the one losing clean, you know, it could be whoever these mystery assailants are that, that cost them the title. There are a number of ways that they can continue to tell the story, but I'll say at least like the title change is possible. Then it is the four-way tag match, the young bucks, the guns, orange Cassidy and hook and the Lucha brothers. Uh, This, this should be excellent. I I mean, I'm going to say that about a lot of the matches on this show. Like this looks like a very uh, stellar card on paper and the winner gets a tag title shot anytime. Anytime. Mm. This could be two in the morning somewhere. And who are the champions? being the elite. Uh, so FTR are the tag titles. Uh, sorry, tag champions. So it probably won't be Young Bucks. Uh, Lucha Bros and FTR, have, have, have they have had a bunch of matches? This probably, you would think, sets up. A, could you see? I could see this being as quick as next Wednesday on the anniversary show. And you could do Cassidy and Hook against FTR on Dynamite. Yeah. That's or Collision. Like, you could do it on either. I mean, mm. Uh, yeah, I, I could certainly see them turning around and doing this title match immediately. And uh, Cassidy and Hook is a um, it, honestly, you you could go any way here. I I'm with you. I, I don't see them going so quickly back to a a Bucks match. Um, I don't see them going back to the Guns that quickly either. So I'm I'm. Are we totally discounting Aussie Open winning uh, these tag titles on Sunday? Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't even uh, remember that. So um, no, not at all. It's very possible that they win, but I still think Cassidy and Hook it, it would be my pick. Christian Cage and Darby Allen, two out of three falls for the TNT championship. Uh, whether we have uh, family members in attendance or not, um, that is uh, to be de- debated. Yeah. So, so somebody from Seattle uh, or the Washington area is is probably going to win. I'm willing to bet at least two out of the three um, members of, of the card are going to win. Um, I don't know if it's going to be Darby. 
You know, uh, again, like Darby with the TNT championship at this point, I don't think, um, you know, gains him that much. Whereas Christian is just uh, continuing to do great work right now with this title. So I think Christian retains. Christian's great with this belt. I, I like it more with, with him with this title. Um, and I think I think Danielson gets the big hometown win because I could I could very well see Swerve and Darby losing on this show. I could see Swerve winning, you know, just because yeah. like he's doing so well. And again, I think they, there's enough room for for a rematch to, uh, with that program. Uh, up next, we've got Chris Statlander and Julia Hart for the TBS title. This is a big match for both of them. I think Chris Statlander has been this has been a very good run with the TBS championship. She got um, a great, the best match out of Jade Cargill's career a few weeks ago, and I think that's going to be the task here to get the best match out of Julia Hart that they've seen. Julia Hart's made improvements, but this is going to be you know they are on a super loaded card, and you've got to be at your best on on, on a stage like this. I think you'll probably see her at her very best. And I think this will be a great gauge of, of seeing exactly how much she's improved over uh, the past several months. Um, and I think for Statlander, another chance to continue to, you know, bolster what I think has been a really strong series of matches in this title run. So I uh, hope they do well. Uh, and then up next, we've got FTR versus Aussie open for the AEW world Tag team titles. This was one of the best tag matches last year at Royal quest. Um, man, it's, I'm wondering how much time a lot of these matches are going to get because I could see a bunch of these getting like 20, this being one of mm-hmm. them. Um, this is going to be incredible. I think this is going to be, you know, this will be a contender for match of the night. And that's really saying something. Whatever ends up being match of the show on this card, that's going to be a hell of an accolade because there's a lot of competition for for that. And this is this is one of them. Um, beyond perplexing that Jericho and Guevara beat Aussie Open in the, in the lead up to this one. But yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to have an awesome match and, I don't see a title change, but you can't rule it out either. I don't think you can rule it out either just because um, um, I think Aussie Open, I don't know if they can afford another like big loss like this. I mean, sure, they can, of course. like They can be built up back up anytime, but um, they came in, I think, with a certain level of buzz that I certainly feel has started to dissipate. And um, having the titles put on them would definitely raise them back. Now, at the same time, are they strong enough of a presence right now on AEW to lead the division compared to FTR, who can, you know, continue to cut great promos? Have you even exhausted all the tag matches that you could do with FTR yet? I don't know if the answer to that is yes, but um, I, I'm, I'm guessing FTR retains if I had to pick. Let's go up next to Eddie Kingston versus Shibata for the ROH and New Japan Strong World uh, Openweight Championship. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is um, Eddie Kingston's back against uh, Katsuri Shibata's uh, everything. Brain. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. it's a tough body part to uh, to work over in this match. Um, yeah, I mean, Shibata's title is not on the line here. And I mean, yeah, it would... it's not going to be pure rules, this one. Yeah, it won't be pure rules. That would that would have been something for for this match. I mean, the conventional wisdom here is is Kingston retaining. Although there is the part of like the Eddie Kingston story that would be so perfect that he achieves this big dream and instantly it's gone and he just goes from the super high to the super low immediately. But I I don't see them beating Eddie Kingston so quickly after he just won these titles and the fact that he's probably earmarked for that New Japan show in Vegas at the end of the month and makes a lot more sense to keep the belts on him. 
Yeah, I, I, if I was uh, any indie promotion that had Eddie Kingston basically cancel on him, um, on, on them, I'd be really pissed off if he dropped the title in, you know, just a few days. So I, I see this reign continuing and I see this match being really great. You know, it's um, this 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 show without necessarily like involving too much New Japan talent certainly has very much that crossover forbidden door type of appeal just with all the, you know, former New Japan roster members that they have. So and I, I'm certain that as as lengthy as this match card is that, you know, Tony Khan has mentioned that members of the Anoki family will be in attendance. And I could certainly see them doing some kind of ceremony in the middle of the show, like a video, something for Anoki that um, the whole event has sort of been um, put together for. And then we've got Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, Kodobushi versus Sammy Guevara, Will Ospreay and Kanosuke Takeshita. This seems like they they could certainly set this up where it's um, the heels getting the win that you could stay needed uh, a bit more uh, at this point. And it could be um, Guevara pinning Jericho in, in this scenario. You have who won, the, who won at all in. At all in um, Osprey beat Jericho. Osprey beat Jericho and then among Takeshita and uh, uh, well, Kenny, oh Kenny lost in the tag match at all in, and then he lost in the singles match at all out. So you right. could also argue like this is Kenny's turn for, for a win, but, um, I wouldn't have him get that win over Takeshita. Certainly wouldn't have him pinning Osprey in this scenario. And that leaves Guevara who, man, he just lost to Jericho and you're trying to establish him now. I, I think that there is, um, I could see them certainly continuing this, uh, this program of all these different alliances for some time after this. And, uh, the heels yeah. can get the win here. I mean, I I like the heels. You know, you're trying to establish the Callus family as as a thing, and I think having you know, um, uh, Sammy beat Jericho, uh, an injured Chris Jericho at that, I think makes a whole lot of sense. You know, just to continue to establish them. I don't think it's necessarily that important. If like, I don't I don't see. Well, certainly you're going to get your Omega Osprey interaction here, um, and maybe teases for um the third match. Um, I don't see any definitive pinning of either of them, uh, but Sammy pinning Jericho, I think, is a logical. Story that, that's though. a good like you know that's another singles match you're going to, and you could do you know they're one apiece after mm-hmm. after this one, and you have the injuries to explain it as well. Then we got Swerve versus Hangman Page. Yeah, uh, the atmosphere is going to be incredible for this one. I think the match is going to be tremendous, and you know you're right. Swerve winning this is very viable and man you could catapult him as another mjf opponent um he has just delivered in so much this year and yeah this is this is another one this is going to be an outstanding match and it's it's going to have a great um reception as well whether it's uh all pro swerve and anti-hangman i mean that's it's going to be part of the appeal of this match as well but yeah you could certainly go the easy route and have swerve win this and you know, reward this guy for what if this guy's been as consistent as they've come this year. It's it's Swerve at his home state, hometown, and it's the biggest match he's had since being in AEW. I think you need to elevate him to a bigger stage with a win like this. Uh, if anything, just to lead to a rematch where, you know, um, the hero can try to get revenge on on the guy that he thought he was ready for and actually wasn't. So I, I would definitely pick Swerve to win. And I assume you see Danielson winning the main event? Yes. I think he should be winning all of these matches up until you, I could see him losing to Okada at, at the Tokyo Dome, but I would be, I don't think he should be losing until then at least. 
So agree. My thought. Yeah. All right. It looks like a great, great card. I mean, this would have to be, um, I don't think there's a way that this could be a, uh, a thumbs down show. I think it's uh, literally impossible, but this mm-hmm. is one of the deeper cards of the year. So that's happening on Sunday. And again, um, myself and John Cena will be live immediately after this show, which God knows what time we'll be live on Sunday night, but we will be going through this card. And then uh, Saturday night, it will be Cena with Braden Harrington covering no mercy as well. So there you go. Uh, we'll open it up. If you have any super chats, we also have a bunch of feedback to get to from the forum. So take us in whatever direction way. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com. Do you have the thread up yet, John? Uh, I do. Uh, let's let's start off here with, with uh, Benjamin. Roddy Strong screams of Adam, followed by his audible struggles with the wheelchair. Breaths and grumps and grunts were my TSN highlight of the night. I know the righteous are new and appropriating some Wyatt family aesthetics. They come across more like an off-brand version of the Wyatts. MJF and Jay White should be good. I'm looking forward to more promos between them. I do enjoy how Max roots most of his promos and some nugget of fan industry discourse. Willow and Chris Statlander seems like a premium matchup, well worthy of the pay-per-view matchup with some time for them to have a great match. Well, it's not Willow and Chris Statlander, though. It's uh, Statlander and Julia Hart, but um, maybe he goes on to say that here. Uh, I like the Christian Darby promo. I know how it's played naturally, but they need to give each other less space and less stepping over each other moments. Swerve is so good. I'm hoping and predicting that Jade goes into NXT first for a program with Becky Lynch, who she can beat for the NXT title. She gets her NXT reps, works with their coaches, and then debuts on Raw or SmackDown after Mania or for SummerSlam in 2024. A little extra space to acclimate and grow. I do not see her being in NXT until next summer. Yeah. I um that's probably a, a little too too far but like everything he suggested b- before that I think having Becky Lynch be the person she beats is really the perfect way to introduce Jade if you're going to have a bit of an NXT run with her um gives her again that status of beating a major star while continues to justify her, her being on NXT so all right, let's go to Brian from, well, okay, let's go to Brian from New Jersey who says, I thought the three-way and the four-way were both a lot of fun and that Julia Hart and Willow put on a good match as well. A lot of strong probo work capped off by Swerve and Hangman ending it really strong in the second straight show closing contract signing on a wrestling show this week. 10-8 round between MJF and Jay White to me and that show closing attack on White seemed unnecessary unless it's a ruse by someone other than MJF wearing his mask. Real bad news about Adam Cole. I hope he heals up well. I hope his injury isn't the only reason we have a world new world title feud for MJF. Yeah, I'm willing to bet it was an MJF um, because it would be the pretty- start of collision. Guys, that was me. Uh, well, not to mention, like, if you're going to do a sneak attack, why would you wear your signature mask? Why would you even put a mask on? Like, why would you like it would be? Why would you well, even the, hide the your frame? Who's if he framing? MJF? Yeah, if you're MJF, like, why would right. you even put a mask on if, if you were the assailant? Right. Yeah. Anyway. Next up is Jay from Colorado, who was at the show live. My friends and I wore neck braces and raised awareness for neck health. And if you go on the forum, these guys, this is great. The guy on the right actually Amazing. looks like Roderick. Oh my um, God. He says that the crowd was fantastic the entire show, <laughs> and it was an above average dynamite, in my opinion. Something of note, tonight's dynamite is the last show that will run at the first bank center as it's scheduled to be torn down in the next few months. Besides the ball arena, we don't have a lot of great options for AEW here in Denver for smaller venues. So I'll be interested to see what they run if they ever come back to Denver. Yeah. The, um, the ball arena is the big arena that WWE just ran and did a huge number at just a few weeks ago for SmackDown. So that's interesting. I was not aware of that, that, uh, this this venue that uh, AEW has run is being torn down. 
what other event could you show up with your friends to in a gang of neck callers look in the background there's another guy with a neck brace i don't know even oh, know if yeah. he's with them it might be another <laughs> random person with a neck brace on uh, behind them AEW really should be marketing they should be selling these they really should i guarantee you people would spend have you seen the stupid <sighs> things people buy at wrestling shows neck I, braces you know are not even like outside of the realm of possibility a neck strong neck brace yes yeah, signed 100%. by roderick strong in the kingdom beautiful yes Cody from Maine, I've really enjoyed the Built to Wrestle dream, and it's tough to envision a scenario in which this pay-per-view doesn't deliver. And the teases for events, events beyond the Sunday, primarily involving Jay White, only amplifies the excitement for me, especially when it's likely to be revealed to be someone else le- leading the charge. I've seen a lot of people speculating the BC War Dogs, but I wonder if that would be viewed as a disappointment by most. Hmm. Interesting. That would make sense. I mean, you know, like the real Bullet Club coming after this sort of... um unauthorized offshoot that's that's in aw like you know they're here to collect their royalties an ip battle yes exactly way more interesting than a uh, blood and guts jordan from the bronx goofy wrestling fan conspiracy theory alert oh no do we want to read this adam cole's injury may not be as bad as reported as this is all part of a long swerve cole wants to break mjf so they can finally beat him for the title Cole makes MJF wrestle more times than he ever has. Cole was willing to drop the tag titles, but MJF jumps in, jumped in for the handicap match out of obligation to his friend. Jay White challenging and getting jumped by mystery devil mask ninjas will reveal itself to be a plot to frame MJF, eventually leading to Cole, along with Roddy and the Kingdom as the assailants, and completing the Cole heel turn and breaking MJF's will. Hmm, okay. Well... Okay, so obviously we know Adam Cole's injury is probably as bad as, you know, he discussed. But is he saying in storyline, Cole could be maybe exaggerating the injury just to kind of, you know, get get out of defending these titles? Uh, there's definitely like you can you can go however you want from this this injury. Like you are starting from this legitimate injury, but you can craft it how however you want like it's it's a way to get there if that's your destination and you can explain Mm -hmm. this however you'd like yeah very possible yeah and i think that's it okay well thanks everyone for the feedback the questions and the conspiracy theories we appreciate them all we are back on thursday postwrestlingcafe.com it is the ask away mailbag show so again get your questions in at forum.postwrestling.com in the ask away thread or submit them for free at memo.fm slash post wrestling, whatever questions you would like to have answered. You can catch that show Thursday evening for cafe members. And if you are a cafe member, you have got rewind to SmackDown coming out Friday night with way and I, and taking your calls Saturday. It's collision course with me and Kate. Okay. I'm trying to keep this all in my, in my head. There's a lot of uh, jumbling this week. And then Saturday night as well, Braden and Sino will be covering no mercy. And then myself and Sino Sunday night after no mercy. Nailed it. Didn't I? A lot happening. Uh, so how many hours are we down at this point of the 19? Uh, three, four, five, six, seven, seven Seven and 12 to go. Yeah. Seven of the 19. I appreciate everyone who uh, chimed in about, uh, you didn't include level up. No, I didn't include level up. Okay. I'm I'm not considering that your, oh my God, look how much hours of wrestling we have to watch every week yeah. with all due respect to level up. All right. That's it for us. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We will speak with you on Thursday and that is a wrap. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.